Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a strange year, hasn't it? I'm recording this in 2021, and we're still not at the end of the current worldwide pandemic. People have been searching for comfort in all sorts of places, whether that's in family, in medicine, or in simply having more stuff. Where are Christians meant to find comfort? Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to be playing some sermons I've been giving from the book of Isaiah. This book is foundational to the New Testament, and uh, the New Testament authors seem to say that their message is in line with it. So we're going to see what it says, and we'll see where God calls us to find comfort too. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 to 7. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Well, this evening, we're thinking about hope. Hope is something that we all know, isn't it? The hope of tomorrow, the hope of being able to meet people inside, the hope of, for some people anyway, being able to give that friend or relative the hug that they've been missing for so many months. The hope of progress, that things will get better as time goes on. The hope of eternity in the presence of God. We all know hope, don't we? And that hope, it rests on something, doesn't it? Tomorrow's hope, it rested on Boris's announcement last Monday that the data meant we could further unlock. The hope of progress, it rests on no surprising developments getting in the way. The hope of eternity. Well, what does that rest on? If you were to be asked, why can you have hope for eternity with God? How is it that you'd answer? You see, the majority of people today who have some belief in an afterlife, they generally give a limited set of answers. Well, it's because I'm a good person, because I care for others, because I did something religious once. You see, the human heart, it tells us that something we have done or have had done to us makes us good enough for God. We really love the idea of earning our, our way somewhere. In fact, did you know, sociologists have noticed that we, I'm talking about us Brits here, generally dislike being given something for free. The British generally dislike being given something for free. I mean, you give me this, well, I'll trade you for that. You buy me a pint, well, I'm getting the next one. 
See, it's ingrained into our society that we earn our way into things. But last week in Isaiah, we were seeing that Israel was in a situation that there was definitely no saving themselves from. And because Israel was in trouble, it meant that the whole world was in trouble. If you remember, God's rescue plan was going to come through Abraham's family, through Israel. So if Israel's stuck, the world's stuck. And last week we were looking at Isaiah 42, 18 to 25, and we were seeing the hopeless servants. Israel had been given everything they needed to be God's promised servants, but they were deaf, they were blind, they were trapped, and ultimately they were sinful. The hopeless servant needed rescue themselves. And now we get to chapter 43. So what should we expect Isaiah to say next? In fact, let's play a little game here. Let me read the last verse from chapter 42 into the first verse of chapter 43. And I want you to fill in what comes next, okay? Don't look at the text. Think in your head, what do you expect to come next? So Isaiah says this. So he poured out on them his burning anger, the violence of war. It enveloped them in flames, yet they did not understand. It consumed them, but they did not take it to heart. But now this is what the Lord says. What do you expect to come next? I know we've just read it, but just imagine we hadn't. What should come next? I mean, the servant's hopeless. The servant's sinful. And so God is now going to judge them. He's going to end them. Well, we should be shocked, actually, that that is not what this says. See, the shock of the passage tonight is that that is not the case. And it's really important to understand why that is not the case. Not only because it will drive the rest of Isaiah, but because it applies the same to us today. See, as we thought last week, we're in the same boat as blind, as deaf Israel. So why can Israel have hope? And therefore, how can we have hope? And that's what this passage here in Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 7, gives us the answer. You see, God through Isaiah gives the reason that Israel can have hope. Right in the centre of this passage, and on either side of it, are commands. It's the same commands. Do not fear or do not be afraid. So let's have a look at the first one, shall we? Do not fear Israel. Verse 1. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You see, Isaiah is taking Israel right back to the beginning, right back to before all this trouble started. He takes them right back to their start. He reminds them of their creation. You see, God is the one who created them. He was the one who made promises to Abraham of descendants, even though it looked totally impossible. He's the one who took Jacob and gave him 12 sons, the 12 sons of Israel. He is the one who formed them as a nation. And those two words there, created and formed, are words that before this we see in Genesis. See, they're words that were used when God created and he formed the world. 
And just like the power that God showed in his world creation, it was the same power that brought about this people. God has the power to create, and therefore he has the power to redeem. Israel can have hope because God will bring them back and because God will be with them. So if we remember last week, we saw God say this. He said that fire was going to burn all around Israel. Yet even though that's going to happen, God will still be with them. Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. The flames will not set you ablaze. See, Isaiah is tackling exactly what he's just said, what we saw last week. Big point, you can have hope, Israel, God says. But the question is why? And that comes in verses three and four. Let me read those for us. Four. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Well, why is it that Israel can have hope? Is it because of how great they are? Is it because of how obedient they are? Well, if anyone's thinking that now, they've surely missed the point. No, says God, not because of any of those things, not because of anything you've done, but because of myself. Just have a look at verse three, how God describes himself. He says he is the Lord, your God. So he's the one who makes the angels cry, holy, holy, holy. Well, he is their saviour. And just have a look at what God gives for them. I mean, we, we give things, don't we, to demonstrate our love. Flowers, chocolates, cards. You mean so much to me, and I demonstrate that to you with something. That's the picture going on here. I will give nations for you. Nations that are more wealthy. Nations that have more to offer. Nations that are stronger than you. I will give them for you. Is it because Israel is so great? Well, no, not at all. Verse four, since you are precious and honoured in my sight and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. See, it's not because they've done anything. It's not because of anything special about them, but it's because God has chosen to love them. God has chosen to be their God. He's chosen to be their saviour. Well, why is it that Israel can have hope? It's because God loves them. That's it. Plain and simple. But because of God's love for Israel, a second do not afraid can come. And this one is far bigger. Have a look at verses five to seven. Just have a look who Isaiah is talking about here. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Do you see where these people are coming from? 
See, it's a full 360-degree map. This is bigger than those who are just in Babylon. This is the east and the west. This is the north and the south. And this covers sons and daughters. See, when this passage is picked up by the New Testament, that is the thing that gets picked up. Sons and daughters. Everyone who is called by my name, says God. Everyone who's been created and formed as Israel was at the start. Do you see how this whole passage hangs together? Because of God's love, Israel can know they have hope through exile. And because of God's love to them, his love to the rest of the world can be known too. How that's going to work out, we're going to have to wait and see in future weeks. But because of God's love to Israel, his love to the world can be shown. And that takes us to us, doesn't it? How can we have hope? How can we have hope for eternity? Is it through our own actions? Is it in our own achievements? We see Israel here, they need to know that there's nothing they can do to rescue themselves. They're still the hopeless servant, but God is going to rescue them. Not because of their own abilities, they're trapped, remember? Not because of their own goodness, they're sinful. But because of God's love. Salvation is found in God alone. And the same goes for us today, this evening. How can we be sure that God will keep his promises to us? Is it because we do things well? Is it because we pray enough? Is it because we're smarter than other people? You see, it's really tempting, isn't it, to look at ourselves and to see something, even something small, something relatively insignificant, and try and use that to justify why God would choose me. But Isaiah is saying that is simply not the case. Just like Israel in Isaiah's day, it all comes down to God's love. We saw that in 1 John this morning, didn't we? It's great when these passages dovetail together. It comes down to trusting God, trusting the Holy One of Israel, trusting that he will do what he will do. It's not, it means not looking at yourself. It means looking at one who is far greater. It means finding your hope in God alone. Well, I hope you found some comfort there. Any feedback can be sent to me on podcast at david-couch.com. And I'll see you next time.